Greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome back to At The Half with your girl, Jackie Ray. Thanks for checking in with me here at CBTV Radio, 950 Lounge, or wherever you get your podcast. Make sure you follow me everywhere at J-Ray The Fanatic. We've got a lot to talk about today. We're going to be talking about the NBA. The NFL is having some issues with going back into training camp. Uh, my favorite topic, which is Nick Cannon. And something that I can't believe I'm going to say think Kanye is as crazy as we think. We're going to get into his speech that happened in South Carolina over the weekend. Make sure you stay with us through the end. But look, let's get right into, you know what, let's start with the NBA. So you guys know I've never been a big fan of some of the the sayings that they had for the players to play place on the back of their jerseys. Um, I understand the concern that a lot of people have, especially the players who have been with their families for a long time now, um, and now they're going back into this bubble. And I understood some of the people who had concerns about this. But I think I think that we as a country are on the fence with how we're treating this coronavirus because we're just not getting... The information we are getting is, is interesting. Um, first and foremost... I'm excited for basketball to be coming back. Let me just say that. I know that there's a lot of risk involved. Um, Thankfully, all of the basketball players in the bubble have tested negative for coronavirus. That is good because now they're in there. They're quarantining in there. Um, As long as they're still testing the employees that are coming in and out, I think we'll be good to go. I don't think we're going to have any problems as far as the coronavirus in this bubble. We can get back to basketball freely unabated. It's going to be a good time. I'm very, very excited about that. But I just did find it interesting that on uh, this past weekend, President Trump said that he was told that the cases were up 194%. And most of those cases happened in young people. So we're fine because we can heal in a day. Young people can heal in a day. So I don't think that's accurate. He's also moved to reduce Funding for testing. We knew that was coming, though, you guys, because he says that uh, the reason why we have so many cases now is because there's so many tests available. I do find it curious, though, that Dwight Howard, even though he said one of the reasons why he didn't want to go back into the bubble is because he thought it would derail the social movement that we're in right now. But he also was concerned about the coronavirus. But he somebody called the snitch line on him because he's not wearing his mask. How do you go from being concerned about the coronavirus to then not wearing a mask? On top of that, how do you not think it's a big deal? So somebody lying. Dwight Howard either didn't want to go in solely because of the social movement or he wasn't scared at all about the coronavirus. I just I can't I can't buy that at all because he also said he didn't know that the coronavirus would be flying through the air and looking for people. Uh, have you not seen contagion? That's literally how it works. Why do you think we have to wear a mask? If I, look, poor Dwight. I love Dwight. I really, really do. Um, but I, we also have um, Jimmy Butler. Now, I know you guys know who Jimmy Butler is because if you've been following the bubble at all, he's, he's running around just doing all kinds of practices. But he has opted, again, you guys know I'm not a fan of the list, like I said, but Um, he's opted to not have anything on his Jersey. So he doesn't want his name on his Jersey. He doesn't want any of the sayings that the NBA has approved on his Jersey. He just wants a blank Jersey. He said, quote, if I wasn't who I was today, I'm no different than anybody else of color. I love this sentiment from Jimmy Butler because to me, it says, look, 
I know I'm a black man who makes a lot of money. I'm an all-star. I get all of that. But at the end of the day, I'm still a black man. And, and you guys might see me differently because I'm a basketball player. But the truth is, you get the right cop on the right day. Jimmy Butler is just a black man. He could easily be another hashtag, uh, which is unfortunate because I think that everyone in the NBA, everyone in the NFL, every black man on this planet, we've seen countless cases where black police officers are treated like regular everyday black people and they're shocked and appalled. <laughs> but... It literally doesn't matter what your stature is in this life. It doesn't matter if you're rich, poor, whatever. If you are black in this country, you can be in danger when dealing with law enforcement. So I thought this was a beautiful sentiment from him to just kind of say, hey, I'm with the little guy. I'm with the guy that doesn't have the money that I have, but is still fighting the fight. That's still, especially if you're in an area that's over-policed like most black communities are, um, I'm with you guys. I understand that my, my place is a little different, but I'm with you. And by wearing nothing on his, his jersey, I think that that says a lot to who he is as a person. We also know that LeBron James said he's not going to wear any of the say sayings. I would love to see LeBron and Anthony Davis kind of take this standpoint. Um, Anthony Davis has said that he is going to wear his name on his jersey because he feels like his name kind of exemplifies who he is, what he stands for, and things of that nature. I can appreciate that sentiment, but at the same time, I think that this is a stronger statement, um, and I would, I would love him to take that. So I, I just want to take a second and applaud Jimmy Butler. That has not been approved by the NBA as of yet. Um, as far as my knowledge, unless that changes while I'm in the middle of doing this podcast, the NBA is still printing a jersey with his name on it. But I feel like they're going to have to change that a little bit because 30 other players, I don't know if LeBron and AD are in that 30, um, but 30 other NBA players have decided they want to follow suit and do something similar um, so I, I, you know, the NBA usually gets it right. I don't see the NBA just being like, ah, no, so what? We gave you a list of sayings. If you're not going to do that, we're going to put your name on the jersey. We don't care what you think. I don't think they'll do that. I think that they will understand the sentiment. They'll understand why saying less is, is a very powerful and it's a loud statement at this point. So we won't know because, like I said, they haven't formally denied that request yet. So we'll have... We'll have to find out, um, you know, where they're going with that. So shout out to um, Jimmy Jimmy Butler for doing that. The NFL is a whole nother uh, issue in entirely, though. A lot of NBA, I'm sorry, excuse me, a lot of NFL players came out kind of, they don't understand why they're going back to playing, basically. Um, they said they feel like, the NFL hasn't done anything to kind of set in motion certain protocols, that they're not listening to health advisors when it comes to putting protocols in place for them to return to football. And they just, all, I don't want to say all, but a lot of them, especially the big names, went on this Twitter brigade kind of calling out the NFL for not putting protocols in place, including who's still in the doghouse, but my quarterback, Drew Brees, he tweeted, we need football, we need sports, we need hope. The NFL's unwillingness to follow the recommendation of their own medical experts will prevent that. If the NFL doesn't do their part to keep players healthy, there is no football in 2020. It's that simple. Get it done, NFL. 
Um, Todd Gurley tweeted something similar. He said, you want to watch football this year? Us players need to remain healthy in order to make that happen. The NFL needs to do their part in order to bring football back safely in 2020. Hashtag, we want to play. Miles Garrett, who's, who got his money this, this season, which I'm very excited about that. Um, I'm sure Mason Rudolph is, isn't. But look, Mason Rudolph don't say nothing else crazy this season and you won't get knocked upside your head. That being said, Miles Garrett said, if the NFL doesn't do their part to keep players healthy, there is no football in 2020. Hashtag again, we want to play. Jarvis Landry said, crazy to see how the NFL is not following the recommendations of its own experts regarding health and safety for us players. As of today, questions have not been answered and we want to play football. Y'all want to watch football this year? Hashtag we want to play. I am confused and bewildered by this whole sentiment from NFL players. Russell Wilson tweeted something similar. He's probably the main one that I understand because Sierra's about to pop any day. So if he has reservations about playing, because the football is a full contact sport, I understand that. Um, they could essentially opt out of the season. They would get paid. I think they'll get paid a portion of their 2021 salary though. So they won't, it's not like they're going to get a portion of this year's salary. So I understand all of those things go into place. But aside from making it flag football, what do y'all want? And that's the thing that bothers me. This is the same thing that bothered me about players in the NBA, you know, doing this call and saying they didn't want to play. Y'all didn't come up with no plan. If you don't want to play, I totally respect that. I totally understand that. These medical experts are medical experts on coronavirus. There is absolutely no way you can make football safe unless you eliminate the contact. And if you eliminate the contact, then now we don't have football. We also have players that said they don't want to play in the, in the protective shield that the NFL is thinking about putting over their masks or of their helmets because they can't breathe in that, which I totally get because me trying to work out in my mask is hell. I will not do it. I am so sorry. I will throw my mask on if somebody's coming my way. But when y'all see me walking around here without a mask, don't say nothing to me because I can't breathe the other way. Totally get that. Totally respect that. But how do you guys expect to play this full contact sport where um, <clears throat> some of y'all pee in your uniforms? Don't forget that we know that because y'all be out there so long and it's just easy for y'all to do. Don't think that we don't know that. You got all these fluids flying around. You got a, a ball on the field, a loose ball on the field. Everybody's going after it. There's bodies on top of bodies. How is the NFL supposed to keep you safe outside of putting you in a plastic bubble? I, I don't get it. I, I don't get what the, the NFL players want. I haven't seen any of the recommendations from the NFL experts aside from Nobody signing jerseys afterwards. Their lockers being like six feet apart. What the hell is that going to do? If your locker is six feet apart from your teammate and y'all just been in, in war together on the field and slapping bodies with a whole bunch of other people. I, the, the protocols that I have seen, while they are protocols, they are ridiculous. And we are either going to play football or we are not. On top of that, though, some of the comments from us commoners, let me tell you about you commoners <laughs> who seem to have this, oh, you know, they, they need to just go to work like everybody else. Please, please, please stop the narrative of com comparing yourself to these men who are going out there getting paid millions and millions of dollars to play a kid's game. I love football. 
with my whole mind, heart, body, and soul. I love it. So I am not trying to disrespect it. I'm not trying to downplay it. But you and I are never going to get paid to go out there and play a kid's game. We got to go to real work, like real work. Even if real work is sitting here doing this podcast, this is what we do. Stephen A is probably the highest paid sports journalist around and he still doesn't make football or NBA money. So stop comparing yourselves to athletes. I just want to read you guys some of these asinine tweets that are coming from like these Kins and Karens out there. So uh, one person says they need to shut up and do their job. They need to do their own part to keep themselves safe. Where was this nonsense when we had Ebola, swine flu, etc.? They don't have the option of not showing up for work. The flu kills thousands of people per year. The world doesn't shut down. Okay. We got a thing called the flu shot, which I highly recommend you not take. Because <laughs> the only time I've ever had the flu is the one time I got the flu shot. This is a comment that is very void of of certain amount of facts. You're saying that, you know, the world doesn't shut down, but the, I, we don't need sports. I think that's the narrative that we are getting from a lot of these athletes. Like, we want to play. It doesn't say we need to play. Well, Drew Brees did, but, you know, Drew's another, you know, he's still in the doghouse with me, so don't, whatever. Um but technically, we don't need sports. We need the people at Trader Joe's. We need the people at the gas station. Dare I say we need the people at Chick-fil-A because these are essential workers that are providing a service. They're providing our food. They're providing our gasoline. Um, we need apartment people to work in apartments because they're providing our shelter. We need realtors to go out because people still need homes. They still need to buy places to live. This is, this is a, a very ignorant standpoint. Um, this next one says... Where was the same battle cry back when we had N1H1? I, okay, so I think you guys are missing it. This N1H1 did not hit us the same way as this coronavirus epidemic is. Um, you, know, you could argue that's because it didn't get the same amount of media attention, um, but it definitely did not have this worldwide death rate. And then the rest of the world is doing okay, and we are just dead last in, in how we're dealing with it. That didn't happen with any of these things. Um, he says, uh, where was this battle cry when we had N1H1? There was no quarantine, no mask mandates, no shutdown of sports, schools, or people working from home. I got one answer, Trump. Obama waited six months to declare an emergency, yet nothing got shut, shut down. Millions died. Is this... What in the car? Cassidy is he saying? I don't know what he's trying to say on this one, but this one seems asinine. It seems like he's saying that now, you know, I don't know what he's trying to say. So let me just move on from that one. Um, this one says ungrateful millionaires. The troops do so much more for less. Okay. Okay. I'm going to tread lightly on this one because I know I've, I've had a couple weeks now that I've been pissing you guys off, but I'm just going to say, don't compare yourselves to millionaires you, there's not one millionaire that has gone to work during this pandemic. Now he might require his, if he owns a company, Mark Cuban probably does because Mark Cuban's that kind of guy, but anybody who owns a company right now where they are the owner, CEO, CFO, COO, they have not set foot in that office. I can guarantee you that you have to, because you need that check, but they have a salary that, that lets them come and go as they please. So we still haven't gotten it right with our troops yet. That is not these, that's not the problem of the NFL. The NFL is worried about their players. The players are worried about themselves. 
I understand. I somewhat agree with this sentiment of, hey, you guys know what it is. You're not, a, I don't care about Ebola and H1N1 and the flu and, and how we handle that. I don't care about that. Those are horrible points. Everybody who made those points, you get an F. That is a horrible point. If you're going to make a point, you should say, hey, with everything that we know about CTE and the fact that y'all are still going out there playing every single year, year after year, taking hit after hit, playing through pain like we know Cam Newton does, coming back too early after injuries. If y'all are going to do all of that with everything we know about CTE and the problems you're going to have after retirement, very quickly on after retirement, if y'all don't care about that, if you don't get out there and play this damn game, I promise, these points are horrible. If you're going to make a point, make a valid point that relates specifically to these players and the situation that they are in. The NFL is problematic to the body, to the mind, almost immediately after retirement, and you guys do not care. You get your money, you go out there and play, you have this passion about it, you're knocking heads, yeah, we know the flag for helmet to helmet, but that's not all the time. Some of that's just incidental, it's gonna happen, and your head is still moving around anyway, you're gonna get jarred, and you don't care. So just don't care. Play football or shut it down. But this going back and forth with the NFL needs to stop today. Okay? That's all I got to say about that. When we come back, we're going to talk about, again, my favorite topic because I was really concerned about him. But we're going to get into Nick Cannon and some of the concerning tweets that he made. But I am excited to say that I can see he's made a full recovery. Stay tuned. No one's ever come back from 3-1. Agonizing defeat. Down 5-1. She's got to get it all. We've all been underestimated and counted out. In those moments, we felt like it was over. It's not looking good for Rafa. But it's when we're given no chance that we somehow found that last bit of strength to keep fighting. And then we did what no one thought we could, not even ourselves. We came back from the impossible. Being broken. We found a way when it seemed hopeless. We came back when we should have been long forgotten. And we did it time and time again. Right now, we're fighting for something much bigger than a win or championship. But if we learn anything from sports, is that no matter how far down we may be, we are never too far down to come back. All right, everybody, welcome back to At The Half with your girl, Jackie Ray. Once again, make sure you follow me on CBTV Radio, 950 Lounge, everywhere podcasts are played, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook at Jerry the Fanatic. Okay, so look, last week um, I made some of y'all mad with my support of Nick Cannon. I'm not entirely sure how I got like direct messages to like my actual email. Um, it's not hard to figure out though. But you know, some of you guys were persistent, and um, I don't. It's a it's an interesting thing because I didn't even get a ton of views on that video. Um, but man, did I get 
Did I get some emails about that? First of all, no, I am not racist. Neither is Nick Cannon. I've told y'all before, black people can't be racist. Y'all do with that whatever you want. It's still a factual statement. Um, but I still stand by and I support Nick Cannon. Um, some of the things, some, definitely not all, and to be quite frank, just a few of the things that he said raised an eyebrow with me. Um, but I knew what he was trying to get at, but he didn't articulate it well. That happens a lot. I think the same thing happened with Deshaun Jackson. We even saw that he kind of kind of blacked out something that he wanted to, some of the stuff that he didn't mean, and then kind of pointed to one quote on the fake Hitler quote that he put on his page. It happens. People are too quick to retweet things or too quick to fall into things. Uh, but Nick Cannon is, has, has been in a very precarious position because he's in a situation where he was fired by Viacom, which makes sense. I mean, and rightfully so, because the owner of Viacom was Jewish. When I say rightfully so, I mean, um, the owner is Jewish. <laughs> so, uh, if I owned a company and a white person said something crazy about black people, I, I couldn't, I wouldn't even hang up the phone before I said phone couldn't even hit the receiver. I'm saying I, you're fired. You know, like it's, it's, I'm, I'm not even entertaining that. So that's why I said what I said about P Diddy, meaning, meaning that we need to be able to have that same kind of power. We need to be able to dismiss and get rid of people like that just because we can, if they say some stuff we don't like. Unfortunately, at this moment in time, black people do not have that kind of power. So we are at the whim of people who do, and we have to issue apologies and things of that nature. There were portions of um, Nick's podcast that I think warranted um, a, a, an apology. However, you don't bring someone like Pro Professor Griff onto your show if you don't somewhat agree with his narrative. If you somewhat agree with his narrative, then you gotta know the storm is coming. Nick is a lot more popular than I think he gives himself credit for, um, especially with The Masked Singer and the popularity of that show. I'm very glad that they did not um, remove him from that. But I think he kind of misread the timing of that. Cause literally I think he could have put that on two years ago. Nobody would have said anything. It's just this time that we're in right now. So Nick decides to issue an apology, basically saying, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't hate anyone. You know, he's in a position where he's trying to help his people learn and grow. And I, I actually do think that that's important. I think that as black people, especially black people in America, we, we've got it all twisted up in the game. We, we have let the powers that be convince us that our history starts at slavery. But that's what happens when you lose the war, people. Like, whoever wins the war gets to write the history. And our history from back in the day, they, they depicted Jesus as white. Whether you believe in him or not, that's not the point. The point is the region that he came from, fictional or factual, scientifically impossible that he was white scientifically impossible that Cleopatra was white, but they paint, they did a whole movie called gods of Egypt, Egypt, and put a whole bunch of white people in there who wouldn't even have been able to survive. So when Nick said, um, you know, they, they would have been annihilated. That's what he meant. You can't survive in that. That's, that's not, that's not your life. <laughs> that's not how life is supposed to go. You can't survive. And that, that's not, that's not it. So, Again, this was about him not being able to articulate properly some of the things that he wanted to say. Um, and, and that just comes from, again, I said that last week, he's, he's not a good interviewer. If he would have taken a beat and let Professor Griff talk 
while he gathered his thoughts, maybe did a few rebuttals, asked some deeper questions, but let Professor Griff talk. We, I don't think we would be here right now. Nonetheless, um, Nick did issue an apology. I felt his apology was beautiful. I felt it was heartfelt. Um, and like I said, although a lot of people didn't, I, I felt it was warranted. Um, because, you know, it's just, whether you think Nick Cannon should have made that apology or not, we live in a political climate that said that's exactly what he should do. Nick Cannon does a lot for the black community. Nick Cannon definitely uses his voice. And if you guys don't want him to be basically wiped off of the entertainment earth, he had to make that apology. And so I was disappointed when he did get backlash from the black community. But at the same time, he got a lot of support. Ice Cube supported him. Master P supported him. Charlemagne the God supported him as his brother. Um, Dwayne Wade supported him, but then backed out of it. P Diddy per, um, supported him. That's what I needed to see that personally, whether y'all needed to see it or not. Um, I needed to see that because sometimes I get discouraged because I have told you guys that I am black as hell at all costs. We need to stick together at all costs. So I, again, I was proud to see people support Nick. I was proud to see him apologize. And I felt like as far as apologies goes, his wasn't one of these PR cookie cutter. Oh, this is not reflective of my character, blah, 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 blah. He literally took some time to self-reflect and issue an apology that he felt really kind of spoke to who he was as a person. He left out things that people th thought he should have apologized for. I applauded him for that because he probably definitely meant that. Don't say sorry for stuff that you actually meant. But then we started seeing some very concerning tweets. The first one says, I hurt an entire community and it pains me to my core. I thought it couldn't get any worse. Then I watched my own community turn on me and call me a sellout for apologizing. Good night. Enjoy Earth. That's concerning. His next one said, y'all can have this planet. I'm out. Then he goes, a couple of days later, he tweets, I'm sorry, he goes on his Instagram. Clearly his friend had um, taken his own life and he said, um, we almost made it little bro, but I guess even flying superheroes have to land eventually. But I am certain that your energy will never die and your spirit is eternal. So I ask you still to forgive me for letting you down, warrior. I can't help but think if I wasn't so engulfed in my own bullshit, I could have been there for you when you finally took your life after several attempts. F this planet. Can't win for losing. So that screamed to me, oh my God. Nick Cannon is having thoughts of suicide, which I've, I've not personally had thoughts of suicide, but I have been where Nick is, where you, you feel strong convictions in your heart. You, you low key meant some of the things you said, some of the things you, you can learn from. Um, and I think he's done a good job of that. He, he's tried very hard to prove that, you know, he's reached out to the Jewish community, things of that nature. And I 100% understand you guys that says it's fake. Um, that he's just trying to save his job. Um, and I'm, and I'm not saying this for any other reason than it's factual, but the Jewish community has a huge stake in Hollywood. So, uh, it could be fake. I don't think it is, but even if it is, it's a smart move on his behalf to at least try to seem genuine if he wants to work in this town again. So again, I'm not, you know, I'm not mad at Nick about that, but I did see just before I did this show, he posted on his Instagram coming soon. 
and he has a rabbi on his show. Um, so Cannon's class, his podcast that got him in all this hot water is still going strong. He has a, a gentleman on there, which again, is a rabbi who they're going to talk. And so he posted a snippet of that up on his Instagram. So go over there and check that out. But he basically, you know, once again, wanted to apologize, wanted to, to kind of learn from each other to ask the rabbi if he thought his apology was sincere. But he did say something that while the rabbi even agreed with it, I think it's going to land Nick squarely back on the radar of people who just want a reason to be in their feelings. He said that the, what separate the, the hatred that is, um, thrown at the Jewish community and the black community came, come from the same place and that it came, it comes from white supremacy that started in America and Hitler adopted. So, and the rabbi agreed. I cannot wait to watch this um, podcast so I can kind of give you guys a little bit more insight as to what the thought process is around that. But there is so when you think about like, I know it doesn't seem like it's that, that far from the truth. Um, especially when you think about our country as a whole, when you think about when slavery started, where we are today and we are still marching and we're still, we still have food deserts. We still have educational deserts. The 13th amendment, which basically allows for slavery, which explains why black people have mass incarceration, why we are sentenced five times harder, harsher than our white counterparts who usually get probation for nonviolent offenses, but we get like 20 years. It explains why you have black people in jail right now for crimes they didn't commit, even though evidence shows that they should be exonerated. It explains a lot. So when you look at our country as a whole, you want to talk about wearing a mask, damn the coronavirus. <laughs> the U.S. has been wearing a mask for a long time to try to hide that it is still a nation that very much embraces the racist principles in which it was founded on. So I'm, I'm excited about this podcast. I can't wait to see how the rabbi, I do hope they get to, because I've seen other rabbis do this. I've seen other rabbis admit that the true Israelites, the true Hebrews are black. Um, I don't know. I, now, when I say that, when I say true, I mean original. Yeah, you know, I mean true. I'm not saying that the Jewish community that we know today is not real. I'm saying that somewhere along the line, black people were robbed of their history and their heritage. That's also a factual statement. I don't know how we get back to that, but I think what we're seeing when we see Deshaun Jackson, Stephen Jackson, Nick Cannon, when we see people say these types of things, it's like my dad used to say, sometimes you just got to look and, and look at the nugget and then try to look at the tree. Because even though the nugget that hit the ground might not be good, it might not be able to produce fruit, there might be some good nuggets on the tree. You know what I mean? So you got to kind of understand why are some of the, some of this stuff being said now. And I think the reason some of these things are being said now is because I think this is the prime time. This is a prime time to get black people to read and to learn about their heritage and to stop believing that our history as black people began in this country. Our, we are African-American. We Technically, we are displaced Africans. We ain't quite got full American yet, but I'm excited to know that Nick Cannon is okay because I'm telling you, just before this show, 
I went to his page just to see if he had posted anything else concerning. And that is when I saw that he posted this upcoming show with the rabbi. I am so excited about that because I, I was genuinely concerned because I could not take Nick Cannon bringing harm to himself. That would have just ended 2020 for me. I, I would have just been like, nope, I will see y'all in 2021. I'm done. <laughs> so glad to know that he is okay. Glad to know that he has this opportunity to speak to the rabbi. I'm curious to see um, you know, what comes of that conversation Deshaun Jackson is having a similar, um, situation. He's going to go visit a Holocaust camp with, um, a Jewish community. So both of these men are having learning opportunities, but I still really, really, really want them to stay on this journey of learning more about their history and where they came from, because I think it would be beneficial for us all. So one in a year from now, six months from now, both of them can say, Hey, I said this wrong but this is right. This is where I knew I needed to be. I spoke too soon. I should have studied harder, should have studied longer, but this is what I mean. I cannot wait for that day to come. I think it definitely is coming. So once again, I want to send shouts outs and blessings to Nick Cannon. I'm so glad you are okay. Um, when we come back, um, we're going to kind of just touch on uh, why I don't, I think he's crazy, but I don't think he's batshit crazy. So we're going to talk about that when we come back. Stay with me right here at, at the half on CBTV radio, 950 lounge. We'll be right back. We always hear about an athlete's humble beginnings. How they emerge from poverty or tragedy to beat the odds. They're supposed to be the stories of determination that capture the American dream. They're supposed to be stories that let you know these people are special. But you know what would be really special? If there were no more humble beginnings. All right, welcome to the home stretch of At the Half with your girl Jackie Ray right here on CBTV Radio, 950 Lounge, everywhere you hear your podcast. Make sure you follow me everywhere, especially IG and Twitter at Jerry the Fanatic. So look, I know this probably sounded crazy at the beginning of the show when I said that I don't think Kanye is as crazy as we think. There is some truth to that. <laughs> he had his presidential rally Um on the 19th, uh, in Charlotte, South Carolina. <sighs> okay. So he looked crazy. I will give you that. He looked crazy. He showed up in a bulletproof vest that said security on it. If you're running for president, boo boo, your shirt shouldn't say security. Um, but he showed up in a bulletproof vest and then he had, um, I think it was 2020, tattooed in his head. I couldn't really see. If you can find it on YouTube, you'll have to really maybe wear some headphones because every every single um, YouTube video that I found of this speech, it's the audio is from a cell phone. So it sounds, it's it, you have to listen. You have to listen, listen really closely. But um, there were some things that I liked. He had all black security detail. Um, he made points that made sense. But probably are not popular. Um, so let's just get into it. So one of the things he talked about 
one of the things where he literally looked a little crazy, but I think him looking crazy at this moment was just our society and our inability to really appreciate that men, specifically black men, it's okay for them to be emotional. It's okay for them to cry. So he's talking about when Kim called him and told him she was pregnant. And he, when he got the call from her and she said, oh, she just went to the doctor. The first thing he thought was, oh God, I hope I didn't give Kim AIDS. And people kind of gasped at that, but he was honest. And he was like, I was living a rock star lifestyle. Like, I mean, it was possible, <laughs> which you don't want to hear. You want to hear that he was being safe and protected, but that's probably not real for a lot of not only rappers, athletes, and some of y'all listening to this show. So definitely appreciated his honesty in that, in that moment. And he said that when he told her she was pregnant, that they thought about aborting the baby for a, a quite some time. And he said that the reason why he didn't is because God spoke to him and told him not to do that. Now eh, you can, you can argue that however you want. But the point is that he and Kim ultimately decided not to abort his child. And now he's very excited that they didn't obviously, because now he's a, he's a loving father. But then he starts talking about his mom who saved his life. He says, my mom saved my life because his dad wanted to abort him because his dad just simply didn't have time for a baby. And then that's when he kind of breaks down and he starts crying. And then that's when it, it is awkward to see a grown man cry. I'm not going to say that it's not, um, especially someone who is a, such a polarizing figure as, as Kanye West. It's kind of weird to see him break down and cry. But at the same time, when you kind of think about, oh, I almost did to my daughter what my dad wanted to do to me. I, I totally understood his tears. So then he says, so the question comes up, are you pro-choice or are you pro-life? Um, Kanye, in my opinion, presented probably one of the most logical answers to that question. And I'll legit admit it's the first time I had to say to myself, you know, you don't have to be either. You can literally be in the middle. Some people are like, oh, it's a woman's right to choose, which is basically pro-choice or, oh, it's, no one has a right to take a life. And there's literally no one in the middle. But he said, I would never say that it should be illegal. It should not be illegal to have an abortion. However, there should be options for people to have a child, basically trying to say that a lot of people abort their kids because they're not financially able to do so. Michael Jackson told you that if you can't feed the baby, then don't think maybe don't have the baby. <laughs> so he says that people who have, who, you know, single mothers should get a million dollars. And of course the crowd gasped. This is another one of those moments that it was an excellent idea, but it wasn't well thought out. I, there's no government on the planet that would just say, Hey, every single mother, I'm going to give you a million dollars. Do you know how many single mothers we would have out here? All of a sudden, just truly educated women who have a plan and who are on a career path would suddenly find this shortcut. That's not what he was trying to say. And I'm speaking because I could see you. If you watch the video, you could kind of see his heart. You can kind of see his mind going, but he's saying, Taking the life of a child should not be an option simply based on your finances. You should have an opportunity for abundance. You should have an opportunity to not starve to death, not depend on the government, things of that nature. Brilliant idea, horribly stated, but brilliant idea. Again, not crazy at all. He would have to really figure out a way to present that in a way that it made political sense. But I thought it was an excellent idea, personally. Um, 
so the next thing he said that a lot of people I think didn't understand was he said, he talked about social media. He said, it's like me saying, okay, I'm going to give you your Mercedes. That's not my dream car. So I just inserted Ashton Martin. I'm going to give you an Ashton Martin, but I'm not going to put it right outside. I'm going to put it across the street, across a highway even. And so you trying to get to this Ashton Martin end up killing yourself because you got to go across this busy highway. That's what social media is. I 100% agree with that. Half of us are trying to get to things because it's what we see. I literally met a guy in my building the other day who takes pictures. He's, I thought he was a model. I was like, what agency are you with? Can I see you on like in a cover girl thing or whatever? Because, you know, they're all about this androgynous look right now. And he told me straight up, no, I'm just trying to be Instagram or TikTok famous. I said, what's the plan B? He had no plan B. This is the world we live in right now where social media is the end all be all. And now it's not even keeping up in the, with the Joneses. My mom used to say everybody in the neighborhood is trying to keep up with the Joneses. Now you're not trying to keep up with the Joneses. You're trying to keep up with everybody. And I think it is horrible. I get told all the time. I can't even tell you how many times I've walked into a room trying to take my career to the next level. And I've heard, yeah, you know, we love you. We think you're great. Let us know when you get to 10,000 followers or you need to post more pictures of yourself. I, that, this... Anyway, clearly Kanye is on to something with that one as well. He is 100% correct. So before I get into the kind of political statements that he, he said, I do want to address one that got black Twitter kind of pissed off. But once again, technically, Kanye West was right. Ugh, it hurts me to my soul to say that. But he said Harriet Tubman didn't really free the slaves. She just helped them escape to work for different white people. So when you think about freedom, now hold on. I could just, <laughs> I can hear you in my head. But like, I know she ain't trying to say he was right about that. Yes, yes, I am. I'm trying to say that that statement on a basic level, I'm not talking about digging deep and going in the trenches and saying, oh, what about? No, on a basic level, that statement is factual. Because when you think about what's freedom? Freedom, at least as most of us perceive it, perceive it, is financial freedom. Financial freedom is when you can kind of write your own ticket. My brother has financial freedom. My brother owns his own business. Ain't nobody walking in there firing him. He might walk in there and fire people, but nobody's going to fire him. He can dictate his own destiny. But when you go from being in physical bondage to being in financial bondage, meaning that you are dependent on white people to give you money, technically speaking, that is not freedom, technically speaking. So if she would have moved slaves to a black community where they really are a community, where they have a infrastructure where other black people can get jobs, they can get educated and they can build and grow together, then she would have totally freed them. Technically, on a basic level, she did not. She removed them from bondage. But she didn't help them get to freedom. I hope that makes sense to you guys. Because when he said it to me, I was like, what the heck? Oh, you know, he might have a point. But it's because I'm at a different place in my life where I try to, instead of being triggered by things, I try to figure out what they were trying to say. Kanye is not good at speaking in direct, basic, talk to me like I was two terms. He's kind of glitchy. He's kind of the matrix when it's a deja vu. He's glitchy. But again, on a basic level, I think he was right on this one. Um, he said also that 
people were thinking that he was going, him running for presidency was going to split the black vote. Um, but he said also that he doesn't think that the Democrats have done anything for black people. I 100% agree with that. Black people are Democrats just because they're Democrats. We've heard that narrative be thrown out there a lot. It's a factual statement, but it's also because the Republicans seem to have Klan robes in their closet. <laughs> so what else are we going to do? I've always said the two-party system is trash. Um, but where I disagree with Kanye is he saying that he's going to split the black vote. The black vote is already split because we don't, our communities don't stick together and vote. I understand that everyone wants to get out the hood, but if we could, like I said, build real community and put black businesses in black communities where we could employ our own, that we could put our own money into our own schools. We could build our own grocery stores, have community gardens, all of that stuff where we could really support black people. And we could kind of, instead of having the black vote be scattered and displaced, it could all be in one area and that we could control local politics. Then we would have better say in, in the grander scheme of this political scene that we're talking about, but we don't have local power, so we can't get up to the federal power. So the black vote's already been split. We don't like to admit it, but it's already been split. Y'all can't put that one on Kanye. Um, so then he said, and this is the one thing where I, I got a little like, okay, he's still kind of crazy, but he said that he did something really hurtful um, and that he wore the Trump, uh, what does it make America great nonsense hat? He wore that for four years. He understood that that was hurtful and he wanted to explain himself. Um, and he said that he, he was just conjointed in what he said. He basically said again, that the Democrats split the vote. I think he was what he was trying to say. And then, and if this is true, then I'm really mad. I think what he was trying to say is like, he just wanted black people to look to the, to the other side, because he did say there's no left, that there's no right, that there's God, that we're all God's people. And so we shouldn't just look at a two party system, which I get that, but, um, he should have left it there because this is when crazy Kanye decided to show back up. And he said that, um, freedom doesn't come from an election. It comes from you not looking up porn, Pornhub. Somebody from Pornhub was watching that and like, Oh, hold on now. Hold on. You had me, <laughs> you had me until, <laughs> but, um, but then he goes back to being genius. Kanye, he goes, um, freedom comes from putting the gun down and not killing your brother. It comes from not talking down to somebody, not feeling like you have to basically exalt yourself at the demise of someone else. All, all very true statements. If Kanye would sit down and put pen to paper and really write out his thoughts, he needs to go hire him an Olivia Pope. I would volunteer for the job. I truly would. I just don't know if I could work for Kanye. Like I, that's, that does not sound like a dream job to me at all. It sounds like I would rather work at in and out <laughs> It just does not sound fun. But if he could put pen to paper put his thoughts down, have someone in the room with him that he trusts. He got this wife that's trying to be a lawyer. Clearly she should be good with words, right? So if she could sit down and help him really kind of hone in his message and what he's really trying to say, I wouldn't even mind him making these startling examples like saying, 
you know, Harriet Tubman never really freed the slaves. I said from off top when he said back in the day to Van Lathan, when he said slavery is a choice, I immediately knew what he was trying to say. And I've said it, I, look, I said it before Kanye did. I said, I never understood why I didn't say it was a choice y'all. I did not, but I did say, I never understood why black people stayed in slavery so long. And I did say stayed because there, to me, there is a point where you, you got a 50 cent that, you know, get free or die trying. You know, I know he said get rich, but it's get free or die trying. And when you got a whole bunch of people who have the same cause and you look to your left and your right and you see a whole bunch of other people looking at, looking like you, and you know, there's only four people in that house. You take the house, you burn it down now. And then you move silently to the next house. You take that house, you burn it down too. I don't understand why we didn't make moves like that. And at some point I'm going to have been in time machine and I'm going to go back and tell us to move like that. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't understand that. And so I, I, I instantly knew what he was trying to say, but again, he did not articulate it correctly. In my opinion, if Kanye can find him an Olivia Pope who can, who can train him how to speak, because the man can't speak at all. He can rap, but he can't speak at all. His public, his public persona is terrible. But if y'all can give him, take the crazy 2020 out of his head, stop having him wear the security vest. I like the black security because you're trying to win the black vote. I like the black security guards. Um, but really get him to, to really be methodical in what he's saying, um, deliberate in what he's saying. He could, he could, he could speak to the masses, y'all. He could have a shot. I don't think he's going to do it. I think he's too egotistical to admit that, admit that he needs help in those situations. But if he did. I could see Kanye becoming the next, because you know, y'all said a lot of y'all said that Trump would never win. A lot of y'all said he's stupid. He doesn't have the experience. He can barely speak in public. All of that was true about 45. Why couldn't it be true about Kanye? I'm not on team Kanye for president yet, but I'm telling you between Joe Biden and Trump, we literally have dog poop and horse poop. It's still poop, y'all. So I'm just saying, Kanye doesn't smell as bad because he doesn't have the experience, right? So I don't know. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not putting my endorsement in for Kanye West just yet. But let me know what you guys think. But don't tell me what you think until you go find his speech, watch it more than once, and really kind of let it fester in your mind and give it some serious thought. And then DM me or email me now that y'all don't found my damn email address. Um, and let me know what you think. Does Kanye West have a real shot? We might have to pick that one up again next week, but for now, it's your girl, Jackie Ray. I am signing off here from, uh, CBTV radio and 950 lounge at the half is in the building. We will be back on Thursday. I will see you then. Stay safe. <laughs>